with a good news story from Ireland. We want to say we're not, we're not laggards in, in this anymore. We're, we're actually leaders. Today, I'm talking to Minister Malcolm Noonan. He is a TD representing the Carlow Kilkenny constituency and was appointed Minister of State for Heritage and Electoral Reform in July 2020. First elected to Kilkenny Borough Council and Kilkenny County Council in 2004, he has served 16 years in local government and was Mayor of Kilkenny in 2009, the first Green Party Mayor in the city's long history. He served for a short time as Irish Delegate on the EU Committee of the Regions and co-chair of the All-Ireland Nuclear-Free Local Authorities Forum. Malcolm's background prior to entering electoral politics was in environmental and community activism. As a director and national coordinator with Friends of the Earth Island and involvement in community-based activism, biodiversity, climate action, mobility, disability advocacy, integration, traveller development and mental health. His professional work has spanned landscape gardening, suicide prevention and graphic design. He holds qualifications in industrial design and a BA with honours in rural development. Thank you so much, Minister, for being on the Nature Magic podcast. And I can see you're driving along in a car. So would you like to tell the listeners where you are? Uh, we're just, uh, as, first of all, it's fantastic to join you. Uh, Honoured to be on the, the Nature podcast. and great. So, um, but we're travelling back now from the Wexford uh, Wildfowl Reserve, the Wexford Slobs, uh, where I was down meeting our National Parks and Wildlife Service team and some of the farmers who are involved in the management of the of the slob lands a very unique place um artificially created after the famine um where its water is pumped off it so it's below sea level but it is a really important habitat for the critically endangered uh, greenland white front goose but also for many other species such as hooper swan lapwing black-tailed godwit lots of uh, we saw saw some amazing uh, wildlife there and we were opening a new um, trail uh, on on the on the wildfowl reserve, and meeting with the farmers because they are centrally involved in the management of that piece of land, uh, in terms of pumping the water continuously off of the land, and in farming what is a very rich alluvial plain there that that is um, is ideal for farming. But uh, obviously they have to have uh, be, have to be supported. Um, where there's loss or damage to, to crops because of the the, the, the incredible presence of um, overwintering birds there. That is wonderful. Um, that sounds absolutely incredible, and I'm not familiar with that area. So isn't it wonderful that um, all these measures are being put in place um, and also with you know farmers involved in sort of setting them up as well, which is so important. Um, when I asked for the interview, we had heard about the basking sharks who now have protection, but it seems that every other day we're hearing good news about what the government is trying to achieve um, for biodiversity and the environment. Um, so I'm going to ask you a bit about that in a minute, but would you tell the listeners just briefly what sparked your love for the environment originally? Um, I think for me, uh, it was I, I grew up in in a, in a town in an urban centre, um, but very close to the edge of the town is our river, our River Nore, and uh, our housing estate was uh, very much part of the countryside. It was butted up against the countryside, and the, our playground was 
either out hunting rabbits, I don't know if you don't mind me saying that, or fish eels on the River Nore. And, and um, uh, it, it was very much entwined with the countryside and nature. And that sparked a, a whole uh, love for me of nature. And, and um, uh, I, I've been involved, I suppose, since a very young age in, in I think I think the Irish Wildlife Trust could have been the, one of the first uh, ENGOs that I joined at the age of 15. And then I became involved in, in environmental activism um, because of what I, I'd seen then, which was a, a, a serious decline of, of our natural world. And um, so, yeah, I think that it was, I suppose it was a strange enough journey and, and unorthodox in some ways, but it is important, I think, that, um, that every young person has an opportunity to engage with nature because I think that spark is, is there in, in all of us. And I, I, you know, recently with the Children and Young People's Assembly on Biodiversity, we, we, me, I met them down in Killarney and, and I was just completely, just completely blown away by their interest and their knowledge. And that's why I think that, to me, uh, I see that as a huge opportunity for engagement uh, on this big challenge that we have around biodiversity. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the connection is really the first step because until you connect people, they don't really care or they don't know how to care. So can you tell us a few of the lovely actions that are going on, like the basking sharks um, being protected? And I know you uh, have instigated other projects as well. And then there's the wider improvement in the cap payments. Uh, what, whatever you can tell us that's positive um, coming from the sort of government end. Yeah, there's there's much, but there's also so much to catch up on. I mean, the basking shark was really significant, and I think it was important and wonderful to work with the Irish basking shark group um, and Deputy Jennifer, Jennifer Whitmore on that. And I think um, while that, you know, species like the basking shark are the big sexy species, then we also uh, sign into protection some other in, invertebrates, lichens, and mosses. They may not be as uh, grab as many headlines, um, if any at all, but it's really important to start putting in the, that level of protection. And, and I think um, so in government and what we've been trying to do over the last two years, somewhat has played a bit of catch up where there was a, a lost decade where there was an underfunding of national parks and wildlife service um, and then trying to shape and, and influence the, the next next CAP strategic plan towards um, more uh, Good, good environmental practices on farms and, and supporting farmers to do that. Uh, I think that was important. So on the other pieces of work around the marine protected areas, the expansion of our uh, protected area network in, in our oceans, um, the, the, uh, the additional funding that we're able to put into place into the National Parks and Wildlife Service to tackle things like wildlife crime, uh, but also to improve the status of our national parks or nature reserves. Um, and then look forward to the big challenge, which is the, um, the nature restoration law, which is uh, going to be really significant and important for Ireland and trying to put our shape on that and work particularly with the largest landowners of the country who are our farmers to ensure that they, they are supported if we are to embark and we have to embark on this big nature restoration project, that, they, that there is financial mechanisms in there to, to support them to do that. Um, I suppose those are the big pieces of, of work. Uh, we've managed to uh, roll out additional biodiversity officers into 2023 to 2024. So we should see um, 
every local authority in Ireland having in place a biodiversity officer. And I think I think that's really critical, particularly as we're now uh, embarking on our fourth National Biodiversity Action Plan. And we, we need those positions at every county to oversee the implementation of the Biodiversity Action Plan and to ensure, again, that communities are front and centre of it. Because I think for far too long, we've seen this in nature conservation globally, that we've looked on nature in isolation from people. And we can't conserve nature without farmers, can't do it without communities. Those are the big ticket items that I see as having been um, significant, again, and peatland restoration, uh, that all of the work that's happening around the wild Atlantic nature up around the Western seaboard. Um, the, 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 there's amazing people. One thing I've, I've discovered over the last two years, and I've just seen it meeting our staff in Wexford as well, just amazing people uh, involved in nature conservation in Ireland, both in a voluntary capacity and uh, working for the state. And that, that gives me great hope. I yeah, I think really, I mean, from the sort of other side um, of a small people trying to work in conservation like myself, it's so heartwarming to now seem to have a partnership with government um, rather than just sort of shouting into the wind. And how it's touched us here is the new cap. We're going to get paid for our 25 acres of rewilding that we've had for years that we never got entitlements for. Um, the MPWS has visited the nature sanctuary here with a view to some sort of a partnership for education. For We're partners with the University in Galway. And SOLAS is rolling out a new course, Environmental Sustainability Aware Awareness, and I'm delivering some of those courses starting next Monday. So those are all joint sort of efforts from both ends, from the individuals and from government, which is so amazing to see. We need such major change and, and we can see little things happening. What else would you like to see at government level um, to tackle the biodiversity crisis? Well, first of all, it's great to hear that that progress that you're making there. And it's great that you don't feel that you're shouting in the wind anymore. It's just great that you're getting the recognition for what you do um, and have been doing for in isolation for many years. Um, in terms of the, the, the trajectory of, of, of where I'd like to see things going, the critical thing is, is funding and um, not just National Parks and Wildlife Service, but for Things like Farm Plan, which I think is a really important program for farmers, particularly on marginal land uh, or on, on um, protected lands. Um, I, I, I think funding to support landowners in particular to carry out the right measures for nature, looking at the co-benefits for climate and water, uh, that, that is the way to go. And I think CAP has been, this round of CAP has been a step in the right direction. I think it needs to go further. Um, so, but but I, I do think... The funding is critical. We need uh, an all-of-government approach to it, um, to, to conservation, to biodiversity, and that's what we've been trying to do over the last couple of years as well, that it's not just the sole responsibility of the National Parks and Wildlife Service or the Department of Agriculture. It needs to be right across society, and, uh, and govern, government needs to show leadership, and, the, and that will bring communities with us. And, uh, and, and uh, there's, we also have international agreements to adhere to. We'll be heading out to COP15 in Montreal in a few weeks' time. And we want to go to COP with a, with a good news story from Ireland. We want to say, 
we're not, we're not laggards in in this anymore. We're we're actually leaders, and we and if we can show at COP that we are leading and moving in a positive direction, reversing decline in, in biodiversity loss, reversing the trends that, uh, that have been so negative over so many years, then I I think other countries will 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 join us on on that. I think it would be lovely to be a green leader in Europe. I mean, for biodiversity, that should be really the goal. Sounds, sounds absolutely wonderful. And the SOLAS, which is the state agency um, delivering further education training, have this module that they're delivering with all their courses, which is environmental sustainability awareness. So that's one thing to, um, to educate people to the to the actual fact of the matter of what is going on. And the other thing I think we're slowly chipping away at is this sort of fake setting the farmers against the environmentalists, because basically the farmers are the environmentalists as well. And but they're struggling with big business sort of advertising and trying to promote their side of the story. So we, we need to get the farmers and the environmentalists on the same page which I think is slowly happening with this communication and with the partnership for all these different um, schemes. Um, but how else can we communicate this urgency to the public who are all already in the cost of living crisis? Somewhat easier to tell the story of, around nature than it is about the climate crisis because many people feel the climate issue is not tangible. It's certainly more tangible now. We see the weather patterns we've had in, in the last couple of winters and summers, um, but they feel in somewhat powerless about it. Whereas with biodiversity, it's something we can all do. And you see the tidy towns groups, what they're doing around the country um, with our pollinator plan, the, the work of, of Una Fitzpatrick and Professor Jane Stout, which was just a, a nucleus of an idea that, that mm -hmm. over a cup of tea and turned into be a national movement where Tidy towns is now almost about untidy towns and uh, <laughs> more about biodiversity than it, than it is about hanging baskets. Um, so th th those types of initiatives are really good. Children, I, I go into a lot of schools and um, children are well tuned into this. And I, I mentioned the Children and Young People's Assembly on Biodiversity. I, I was just completely blown away by those by the knowledge that those young people had. Um, and, you know, I think some they, there is an anxiety there. Yes, I think we have to reassure them that we can do this. Um, but definitely they, they were very clear. They set out 55 recommendations to government um, about what they wanted to see happen. And we have to and we will um, take on board those recommendations. Um, but similarly, with the with the, the main people, or I call it the, the assembly, uh, I think that looking forward to the outputs of that. So I don't think we've, we've, we have no problem on the engagement side of it. It's around understanding the interconnectedness of our actions, whether we, uh, our, consum our consumption patterns, whether we, um, uh, uh, what we choose to buy, what we choose to eat, uh, the way we transport ourselves, all of these things are all connected to, to the loss of nature. Um, and I think that's the bigger picture uh, that, that, uh, that we, it's challenging. There's no doubt. It's challenging to, 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 to communicate that effectively. And um, behavioural change is 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 a slow process, and we don't have time. So, all in all, I think people are up for it. They're certainly up for um, 
nature restoration. They're certainly up for, for halting the loss of biodiversity, but it's trying to connect all the, those elements of it with our, our, our behavior as a species. And there's no doubt about it that we collectively are, are um, living way beyond our ecological means uh, or the, the means of the planet to sustain itself. Uh, by our consumption patterns, so that to me is the is the tricky part. Yeah, so it is it is scary, and we try not to go there too much because we're heading in a positive direction. Um, but rolling out these courses, for instance, the first one I have twelve HGV drivers. Um, so to get them, climate change is part of it. You know, there's waste, energy, obviously cost savings are always popular with everybody. Um, but it'd be interesting to see they have to do an action plan at the end. What actions are they going to suggest for biodiversity? Um, then they have to do a community um, action. And even if one of the actions that they do in their course that actually takes hold, um, that's going to make a huge change over the amount of courses that have been rolled out with this module in it. That's part of the education that's getting there. The other big thing is we need to encourage people to vote the right direction. So why should people vote green? I would always say that they shouldn't uh, they should make their own choices I, I it's odd that i'd say that um what what i'd, I'd love to see and, and this is the other part of my portfolio which is electoral reform is to see um I, I, the electoral commission that we recent that, that is in the process of being established would have a key role to play in in raising awareness educating the public um animating young people to stand for politics people from diverse backgrounds and to create a space where our democracy can really flourish uh, in an informed way. And that way people will make up their minds when they vote based on, uh, you know, I would hope a broader set of criteria than just their pockets. Obviously cost of living crisis is huge and it, it, is, it is going to be with us for some time and it's affecting so many people. But um, we also have to think ahead for the future generations and, uh, the choices we make as voters have an impact on our children and our grandchildren. So I think it's critically important to engage people in politics. Um, obviously, I will say, you know, my politics are green um, and we, we think we have, I would, you know, the, the, the answers, I won't, we don't. Um, but collectively, the political um, sphere in, in Ireland is, is quite healthy. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we formed a government with three different parties from not, OK, maybe Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are not as diverse a background. But I think it's, it's good to have that mix where you haven't got single party politics because it gives it's more reflective of society. And um, in a roundabout answer to your question, I would hope that people would judge or, or look at, at what the Green Party have achieved as a small political party in trying to change the narrative around biodiversity, around climate, around sustainability, uh, because all of these things ultimately, uh, if, we, if we can grow food closer to home, if we can support local farming, if we can um, localize as much as, as we can and not be as reliant on, on, um, on outside factors, then, uh, and our energy independence, which is hugely important, and I think that that will set us up in the long term for a much more durable and responsible future. Oh, that's an absolutely um, great so answer. I, I, Thank I, you. I, yeah. 
I, I, I could go on. I, I, again, I, I, so I wouldn't necessarily um, say that people should vote green over anybody else, over other political parties, but it's important that, um, that we, we foster a sense of appreciation of how strong our democracy is. Yeah, yeah, great answer, thank you. Um, just, uh, I know you've got so many things to do, I'll ask a couple of quick questions. So what one action could people take right now to help biodiversity? Um, the one action I would say is bec become involved, uh, learn more about nature, uh, get out into nature and appreciate it. That's, that is the first thing, that's the one thing that will, will, will animate people towards wanting to conserve it. And get involved in a tidy towns group or a local conservation group or a bird watch group and and be part of the conversation and be part of you know we're not separated from nature we are a species that that is uh, an integral part of nature and an important part of nature and it's understanding our, our place in the world i think will uh, and, and and to ground ourselves again and to understand and appreciate that we have a role to play here an important role to play yeah, exactly. And I know you're a great bird lover. Is the one bird or other animal that you're um, sort of more interested, I won't say favourite, but more interested in at the moment, or perhaps something that you saw today down at the the, um, the sl slob, is it called? Yeah. Yeah, something exciting that you have seen lately. Yeah, so I particularly like lapwings as a, as a, as a ground nesting bird. And they're in, in significant decline because of predation and habitat loss. Um, and I think they're really, really beautiful bird. Uh, so, I, I, and we saw plenty of them in, in Wexford today. So it's great to see that. Um, but I do think um, I remain, you know, very concerned about a lot of our, our, our bird species. Um, yeah, so I, I choose that. Oh, thank you. That's very lovely. Yes, I'm very concerned about the birds and especially with the avian flu. Um, we have a lot of crows here that I um, talk to every morning, so I'm desperately hoping that they don't contract the flu. So thank you so much for talking to us today, Minister Noonan, and I hope you come to the Boron Nature Sanctuary at some stage if you're in Kimbara or in Galway or passing, because we would love to show you around Please do send me an invite because I, I would love to visit. I'd absolutely love it. Love the burn. Oh, wonderful. Well done with all the work you're doing. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank, thanks. All the best. News from the Burn Nature Sanctuary. Due to the low footfall at this time of year and high costs, we made the tough decision to close the doors of the Burn Nature Sanctuary to the general public until April the 1st. We are still offering venue hire and accommodation in our B&B apartment and it is lovely to see the glow from the slow cabins which are occupied most nights. The horses are now enjoying the meadow and when a little extra fencing is done the cows will also be going down there to help remove the top grass that was not able to be baled to give the summer wildflowers and orchids a better chance to flourish. On Monday I'm starting some part-time training for Solus the Government Further Education Training Agency on Environmental Sustainability Awareness. This five-day module will be mandatory for all further education courses. My first group of 12 are HGV drivers and yes, there is a woman. 
The assessment includes a comprehensive sustainability action plan and it will be interesting to see the level of engagement in the subject matter. Other news, Dyson, our not-so-micro-rescue pig, discovered his fence wasn't working and went for a wander around the nature walk. He is friendly but quite intimidating with large cutters, the bottom teeth that curl up out of his mouth and are meant for attack or defence. He surprised Matthew, who heroically managed to persuade him he might like to go and hang out in the stable for a while, as the slow cabin's guests were about to arrive. The fence is fixed and he is back in his paddock.